Welcome back to the LA Uncensored podcast. Here with Uncle Leslie. How are you doing, Uncle Leslie? I'm fine, IFA. I'm fine. Thank you. Keeping well. That's good. I've got a question to ask. Mm. A couple of weeks ago, Chelsea sacked Thomas Tuchel and hired Graham Potter. What do you think of that? I, I think in one sense, it's it's a surprise, but not a surprise. The, the surprise bit is when it happened. I think it was like after that defeat in the European champ in Europe in the European Cup, yeah, in the Champions League. Yeah, that's a, it, it. Like so quickly, but you, it's always the same when a new when when a sort of new owners when Blue Code Twenty Two took over from the Russians. You can almost think that they wanted to make a significant amount of changes. And therefore, what they did behind the scenes, they swept out so many people like you know, Peter Cech and all the other guys got swept out. So it wasn't too much of a surprise that they decided they wanted to have a completely new broom, sweeps clean. But it was just the timing of it. To me, it was the timing that was strange. What about you? What were your thoughts? I, I was surprised by it, but then... Again, Chelsea's never been most patient with the managers, so it's not like I said. I was surprised, but not too surprised. Mm. Um, I think I do like the hiring of Graham Potter. It seemed like Tuchel was losing some some of the players. He was losing some of the players. For example, you you read excerpts from Christian Pulisic's new book, and mm. it talks about basically Tuchel going back on his word with him. Right. When when you start doing that to players, you you start to lose the dressing room. Yeah. And I think it was it was about time. It was coming. But at the same time he did bring them success quite recently. So to see him leave so soon was was a bit yeah. shocking. It was interesting, wasn't it? Because if, if I know Lukaku basically was con- was not happy with Tuchel. He was making comments, and that's one of the reasons why he left. He didn't think he was given the chance, and I think there was no good relationship there between some of him and some of the senior players. But I suppose what was surprising to me was the sheer fact that he just, as you say, he's won them trophies. And you would have thought that because they swept out so much of the backroom staff, and he was in essence quite heavily involved in, in many ways in, in in the purchase of players and letting go of players. But you thought they would at least give him till Christmas or, or till at least till after you know the, the World Cup break, just to give him the chance to settle in with the players he's got. I mean, you know, a banger yang coming. I mean, like a banger yang comes, and then the, really the guy who was responsible for bringing him gone. It's like wow. So it does make you think what. What is there something something clearly happened on that flight back from, from Italy whereby, you know, Todd Bowley and his crew decided that nah, this is not my man and we're gonna sweep him out quickly. But it, I tell you what's surprising is you think we're what two, three weeks into the season and two premiership managers have gone. What do you think of that? That to me is is another surprising thing. Who's the second? Uh, Scott Parker. All right, yeah. Oh, he went so quickly you couldn't remember who it was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it. The Premier League's not never been the most patient league with managers, and I watched Sky Sports a while back, right yeah. after Tuchel's sacking, and my understanding is that Boyle wanted a manager he could be powers with you know yeah. how the american system is with sports ownership yeah a lot of the owners are very hands-on yeah they come down they watch games from ringside and um, courtside or pit side they meet the players they meet the coaches and apparently Tsuko wasn't that kind of guy yeah he just wanted to come in do his job without interference and it might not have sat well with Boyle. yeah but that's just speculation and news. We'll never really know, I guess. I think, you, yeah, you could be right. I mean, it, the Americans 
as you rightly say, they have a different attitude towards sports ownership. But having said that, you know, but having said that, some of it's worked quite well in terms of what's going on at Arsenal, what's going on at Liverpool. You know, they've got American ownership and they've been, in one sense, left alone and left to get on with it. But uh, yeah, Tuchel could be like an old school. He wants to be a coach, didn't he? My understanding was from talking to friends is that he's not a manager. He's not a manager. He's a coach. He didn't want to be a manager. And as such, mm. wasn't that keen in getting involved in sort of decisions of purchasing the players and things like that. He just wanted to give them the players and he was going to mould them to play the football he wanted to play. So I think that, yeah, is part of the problem. But I think you make a good point, though, in terms of the football, the premiership, the way it's going, in that increasingly, because the amount of money that's in it, that more and more teams are short-term, very short-term, in terms of attitudes. The, the, I mean, yeah, I mean, to, well, my team, it, we, we, we've never gone in a scenario where we've really given a manager who struggled like Pochettino, he, he brought us great success. And as soon as he started to struggle, we got rid of him. You know, very sh- As a fan, you know, I felt that very sad about that. I think we should have given him a longer time to try and do things. However, said that, you know, Conti's, who normally has got a real, a real reputation for short-termism and staying at a team for not very long, he's got us playing some, I think, good football. You know, the way we soak up pressure and we attack, we, we counter-attack. Yeah, we've got an interesting way of playing. I can see it being quite successful. But your thoughts? issue with um, Conte's football is usually after a season or two, the players become drained. Because that's what happened at Chelsea. It's what mm. happened at Inter. Even Juve before then, those players became a bit too drained. Yeah. Because his style is very demanding. I mean, you hear reports of pre-season training where he made the players run until some of them were puking. Mm. I don't see players sticking with that for too long. They might buy into it for now, but if things stop going their way, it's going to turn sour real quick. Yeah, I can can see that. I I can see your point with that. I mean, but right now it's working for us. I mean, it's... We play, we play a game. It's, it's interesting. I don't think any game we played this year, we've had 50% of the ball. You know, we tend to give up the ball and it's really, as you say, it's very fit, counter-attacking football. You know, we tend, if, for us, if we have 40% of the ball, that's 40 to 50, 45% of the ball. That's great. Because means that means the other team have basically got most of their players in our half. Therefore, we can attack quite quickly. So it's an interesting style of football, which is, I'm surprised that uh, our fa- the fans, in one sense, are accepting it. So we'll see how it's going, because yeah, and the players are accepting it. So maybe you're right. We'll see what goes on going into the future. But what do you think about Brighton, yeah. this new coach? Then this ex Shakhtar Donetsk boss, Derby. Yeah, um, I've heard good things about him. If I recall, he was. Wasn't he at Sassuolo that's a while the, back? Yeah, yeah, way back, yeah. Yeah, because that's where I remember him from. I think he was he was key to bringing up guys like Dominic Domenico Berardi and what's his name, Simon Zaza. Right. Because they ended up going to. Oh, was he? Maybe he was there before, but I remember those. Um, they. They they became Italian starters, mm. but I don't know. I might be getting my my signals crossed. No, well, he, he's I mean he's got a good reputation. I mean, it is is. I mean, I know he originally struggled. Was it, was it? Did he not take Prima up or one of the other Italian teams up, and they went down first of all? Palermo, yeah, yeah, Palermo. He didn't, he couldn't keep them up, but I mean, the sheer fact he took them up is a good sign. The sheer fact he's managed to do that, move on to other teams and being successful shows that he's not a one-trick pony in the sense that he can go and do it somewhere else, which to me is a, a good sign. And I, I, I like the way the, the Brighton ownership, you know, they did the same thing with Potter, didn't they, really? They sort of scoured Europe after Chris, Chris Houghton didn't sort of overstayed his welcome. Yeah. 
bring Potter in. I mean, Potter's went went off and did stuff abroad. He's got a good education, understanding what was going on, playing, look, coaching abroad. So I think, yeah, I think Brighton have got an interesting situation, really. I mean, in one sense, it's interesting to see how Potter's going to get on at Chelsea. I mean, whether they're... Because he's got more of a reputation, hasn't he, for building teams, you know, yeah. using a good... Bringing players through from the youth team, giving them chances. It's going to be interesting to see whether the, you know, the whether they're going to allow him to develop players and bring players through. That's going to be an interesting one. I agree with you completely on that. Because um, Brighton's philosophy is quite different from Chelsea's. Yeah. They, you can see it in the Yves Bissouma deal. Mm. They had Caicedo from, they bought him last year as kind of a replacement because they knew Bissouma was going to leave. Yeah. And so they built the squad that in that manner. Yeah, and Potter's style of play is very. You've got to be patient. It's going yeah. to take a while to instill in Chelsea's players. I mean, who had last few Chelsea managers? It was, it was um, Lampard, Tuchel, Lampard before Conte, Mourinho. Not exactly the most yeah. attack-minded managers, and so the the I feel like the players as a result have kind of devolved into that kind of mentality. Yeah, I think it's interesting because when Lampard was at Derby County and uh, he got them playing some really good... Derby County were playing good football because mm. they still live in Derby. I got mates who support, you know, big supporters of Derby and they've all told me they were really... The brand of football he played, of course, Mason Mount was there and a few other players he, he nicked from Chelsea, Chelsea yeah. Academy at the time. But they said they, they played some really, really good football. Really, really good football. So yeah, I mean it's interesting, but it's clearly maybe the Chelsea job was one was probably a step too far too soon. Yeah, be interesting what he does. At, probably interesting what he does at Everton, whether he's actually learned. I think I think certain managers. I think you've really got to go through like Potter. You've got to go abroad, get get a good grounding in, be able to understand how to deal with different types of players, personalities. I think it probably was a bit too soon for Lampard, I, I personally feel, but to go take that job. But hey-ho, let's see how he gets on. Whereas if Chelsea give Potter a chance, and that's going to be the big if, you know, that's going to be the key. I'd be interested to know what objective they've set for him for this year, where they've simply said, listen, if you get, keep, you know, get us in the top four, that's enough. Or maybe the top six in the place in Europe. It'd be interesting to see what what kind of objectives because the Premiership is tough this year. You know, there's some really good teams. Yeah, really good teams. Yeah, I'm interested to see what goes on there. Yeah, it's kind of what happens when the monetary inflow is as high as it is right now. It kind of balances out with yeah. a lot of teams. Yeah, yeah. Speaking of coaching changes. Mm. You've been following the NBA. Yeah, of course, man. Of course. What do you think of Rick Carlisle to the Pacers? Well, I'm sorry, I must have missed this one. What's well, what has Rick Carlisle gone? Yeah, Jason Kidd joined the Mavs last year, and Rick Carlisle is now with the Pacers. Oh, you Ah, you mean from? I thought you were saying like he's gone from from Indiana. Oh no, I personally. I think, wow, you're hitting me. Because, I mean, the big one for me has been the Ime Adoka one at uh, Boston. Oh, Celtics, we are going to get to that one. one. Yeah. I mean, to me, right, Rick, the whole scenario with Rick Carlisle is more to do with Luka Doncic, yeah. right? Luka Doncic didn't... My understanding, right, was that when, um, when Dallas Mavericks drafted Dennis Smith out of North Carolina State, yeah. right, that uh, he didn't basically he didn't really want Dennis Smith, and he and he did, he's, not, he's one of his old fashioned coaches. He basically likes his players, doesn't like rookies. Yeah. So therefore, then when the following year when they drafted Luca, and Luca's a superstar. Let's get real, Luca is a mega star. He then sort of started really treating Dennis Smith badly. The problem was, from everything I've heard, is that Dennis Smith and Luca got on really really well. So Luca didn't like the way that Carlisle was treating Dennis Smith. 
So when they, when they, when they finally got rid of Dennis Smith, I think, I think Luca had no respect for Rick Carlisle from the, the, you know, the coaching attitude and his behaviour towards players. So therefore, it got to the point really where I think Luca, you know, Luca's been, Luca's a superstar. Yeah, I mean, no yeah, let's get real. He's, and Luca basically had no respect for Carlisle. And therefore, there was always going to be a blow up. So therefore, Carlisle left really before he got fired because it, it was going to be with that scenario. I think Lucas Lucas doesn't say too much, but he says a lot. <laughs> <laughs> he says a lot by not saying too much, but because of the way he behaves, you know, he's he's all about behaviour. So for me, Carlisle is like an old fashioned coach. You know, he wants players to respect him and this, that, and the other. And the, and the league is not really like that now. You know, it's. I'm interested to see how he's. I mean, the whole thing within. And also, he's a he's a coach. Likes to have mature players. He's gone to Indiana, and Indiana and Indiana have sort of cleared out players. I mean, we we can talk a bit more about the clear out of what's going on in the league. I mean, Indiana have just. You think that they? Yeah. Sabonis is going. They talk about what they're going to do with Miles Turner and Bobby Hale. I, I I don't know what's going on with that team, and I don't think he's I don't think that he's a coach is the right kind of coach for him. So for me, I, I think Rick Carlisle is in an, an interesting scenario. Um, I think coming back to the, the the Jason Kidd thing, I think Jason Kidd is has learned from his first time round or the second time round in one sense what he did at from the way his behaviour was at Milwaukee. But, I mean, you think, he brought on Yanis, man. He brought Yanis on to be where he is now. He had a massive role in doing that. So, I think, you know, there's no doubt that Jason Kidd has an understanding of dealing with superstar players, and it's clearly worked, and it's working with with Luca. I mean, the interesting thing for me is whether Luca's going to be, what Luca's going to do this year. I don't think he's got a good surrounding cast. I'm not... I think the whole scenario with Christian Wood is going to be interesting, how they're going to play together. But, uh, I mean, we'll come back to this. We'll come and talk about the Eurobasket to 22 at some point, I'm sure. But, you know, Luca is... I saw some of the games that Luca played. I mean, considering he had an injury. I know some people said he didn't play as well as he could do, but some of the things Luca did, amazing. Absolutely amazing. You know, we can talk about that. Yeah. But yeah, that's my view. What's your thoughts? I think you've covered a lot. Um, unfortunately, I have to agree with so much of it. So <laughs> no. Yeah. Yeah, but do you think do you think Kalal should go? I mean, you know, do you think he's still fit to to be a coach in the in the current NBA, where it's like it's more and more player power? Do you think they should get rid of him? Well. I'm struggling to think even of a team where, like you said, player power, but also the league is getting younger. You have a, yeah. a lot of the superstars these days are 25 and under now. And so yeah. you have to think about where he's going to go that he can take over a win-now team with, uh, with stars who aren't too young, if that makes sense. Mm. And off the top of my head, I really can't think of any team like that. Yeah, I can't think of it. Best case scenario, maybe he could go to the Kings nah. and mold them into a decent playoff team, maybe. I, I think you you could be right, but they're young. I mean, that's the whole thing. I mean, to me, the Kings are an interesting team in the sense of how they've drafted, uh, where they're trying to go. I don't think that's the right team. I, I think. Where are they trying to go, though? Because I love that direction, the changes they've made. I love the decisions they've made. No one's quite sure what they're trying to do. You see, I, I, I like, I like their draft. I like, I like Keegan. I thought he looked a good player. He's what six ten. You know, he, he can, he can play inside, outside. The sheer fact they get, they didn't go with Jordan Ivey for, in the draft to me reflects the fact that they've got a plan in their minds. They you know, they've got guards. I think Darren Fox is a good guard. He's quick, very very quick. Uh, if he can learn to pass the ball a bit better and, and rather than take over a game, 
I don't think he's a guard who can do that. I think he, if he sort of moves back to being more of a, a pass-first guard and use that speed to break teams down. I, I'm a big Sabonis fan. Uh, he's not a superstar, but I think he's a really good... You know, he's 6'11", not as big as his dad, but, I mean, you know, he's a good player. I, I, I like, and I'm, of course, being a North Carolina fan, I, uh, anything that's, uh, well, I forgot his name now, but there's some good players there. There's some good young players coming through, so we'll see, we'll see. So, for me, I, I don't think Rick Carlisle's for that team, not for them, no. I think Brown is, is a much better coach. I like what Brown did with the Nigerian team. You know, I think he, he demonstrated a, an understanding of young players, getting them to work, moulding them together, playing D. Okay, it didn't really work for Nigeria, but yeah, <laughs> I, I liked his style of coaching. I, I, I thought he did well. I'm a fan. I'm a fan. Yeah. But yeah. But let's get we'll come back to coaching come on talk to me about Boston Celtics man let's let's talk about Boston Celtics what happened there man what, what's happened with this guy Emi Adoka it's weird apparently the gist goes he had a consensual relationship with a female member of staff but there's also gist that a complaint was made against him for an inappropriate comment yeah, I've heard that too. And so, how consensual was consensual, which becomes the new term? Yeah, exactly. I'm not going to talk about coaching credentials now because I don't think it's right. I, I I'm with you. I mean, his personal life is his personal life, and I think that's nothing at all to do with us. But I think, I think one of the things that can the issue there for me is what's the impact on, from a basketball sense in terms of of him moving on. Um, there's two things in my head. One is that, you know, he was a good coach for them last year. You know, yeah. he, he brought them together and made them play D. Uh, and I think that, they, to me, they were one of the favourites to, to win the East. I really did think so, because they, 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 they got two forwards in there. Jalen Brown and Jason Tatham, who to me are the second or third best set of forwards in in the NBA. Okay, we can we can have a conversation who, who who the number one and number two are, but they're probably second. They're definitely not number one. They're not number one, but they're second or third best set of forwards in 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 the game. And I think to me, when when you have a coaching change like that, no matter what they say, it impacts the players. It's going to impact the players, and I think that uh, that's going to be an interesting thing how how they respond. So, I'm thinking that Brooklyn. Sorry, I'm thinking that uh, Boston, from a from a playing perspective, because of the coaching change, is going to be impacted, uh, and I think they're probably it's going to take them a while to adjust to the new coach, just like it did last year. You know, when Adoka took over from Brad Stevens, it took him up till Christmas. And after Christmas, they, they suddenly clicked into gear. We'll see what happens this year. Yeah, um, that's to your point. It's, it's going to be the third coach they've had in three years. And yeah. that's never good for a young player's development, especially on a team that's trying to contend for the title. I mean, it's worked yep. in certain recent years with Nick Nurse and the Raptors. But other than that, you can't really think of any other examples. And maybe Steve Kerr and the Warriors, if you want to go that far back. Mm. But other than that, you can't really think of any examples where, you know, new coaches come in and everything's just... New coaches come into a title contender and they suddenly, you know won the title or they stayed the same. Even yeah. the Warriors and Steve Kerr, I would say, were an exception to the rule because that team was I mean, he was the one who brought in the five the five out lineup, the small ball lineup that yeah, you know, was key to their success of, over the last eight years. And with the Raptors, Nick Nurse came in and he did a great job. But the key to that Kawhi. title was exactly Kawhi. So, 
to change up a coach like this at this point in time is it can be very destabilizing for a team. And I agree. It'll be interesting to see where the Celtics are come the All-Star game. Yeah. Because I think that's the key to watch. How do they perform up to that point? And then how do they perform after it? I agree with you. I think the East is, the, it's many ways, the, the East has become very interesting because... Because you've got the whole Brooklyn situation where nobody knows if they're going to be fantastic or rubbish. You know, it's that. That's this whole thing with KD, one of the coaches and the general manager to be sacked. What, I mean, Kyrie, in one sense, is going to be playing for a big contract. And the other one is Ben Simmons. I mean, talent wise, talent wise, Brooklyn, front three, can play with anybody. I mean, yeah, they've got three massive good good players. You know, you think they've got Steph Curry behind the back of it, Joe Ingles as well. I mean, that starting five can go against anybody. Yeah, the bench is an issue. I know they've added some players from the bench, but I don't think yeah, I don't think Nick Nick Claxton to me is is light though. I mean, it can play pick and roll. I know they brought a couple of Paddy Paddy Mills is a great player. Uh, we'll see, but. I think it, when push comes to show, I think they're a bit light to, to really take on the, the players. But if but if those three bring it to get their game together, I, I'm, I'm, we, I'm sure we're going to talk about how they play later on because I think Ben Sim, Ben Simmons is the interesting one. I mean, his mental problems and his, his physical problems. You know, you've you've got to respect. You know, we can have views about it, but. You know, if the guy wasn't right, then the guy wasn't right. You know, so you, you've got to... I think too often... I think people seem to think, just because you make loads of money as a sports, as an athlete, that you shouldn't have mental problems. Yeah. And I think that's, that's so wrong. I remember Stan Collymore when he was at Liverpool. He was awesome, but he had mental problems. And people used to have a go at him all the time. And I felt, no, man, you, you, you're missing this. You know... Just because you've got loads of money doesn't mean you've got mental problems. You, know, you can't have mental problems when you're playing sports. So I think the Ben Simmons thing is an interesting one. Mm. Speaking of the East, um, yeah. what do you think of Donovan Mitchell to the Cavaliers? <laughs> well, to me, right, it's not so much Donovan Mitchell to the Cavaliers. It's what is going on with New York Knicks? How come they didn't close this deal? How come they did not close that deal? Because Donovan, I was listening to Donovan Mitchell. Who's been in, it was a, uh, it was not the Welsh Post podcast, but it was um, one of the podcasts I was listening to, and he was saying that uh, Donovan was saying that the Sunday before the trade, he was expecting to go to New York. You know, so what happened? What did New York overplayed their hand? And you've got to give respect to Kirby Altman from the Cleveland Cavaliers to come in and get a player who I think makes them quite good. I think he makes them a really good team. I think the, the East is is a strong is a strong lineup, a really strong lineup. I I don't think my concern for for Cleveland is that I don't think they've got enough small forwards. Uh, you know, Donovan, the other side is they're two guards. I mean, the problem with one thing about Donovan Mitchell, I remember when he was at Louisville, he was like a good defensive player. I mean, when we played against North Carolina, my team, he looked a, he looked a solid, strong defensive player. And his, I have to say, his offensive game wasn't that great. And now, he's like, his offensive game is fantastic. But his defense, man, he got shredded by Jalen Bronson last year. He, he couldn't. He couldn't. I know the year before he had leg problems, but I don't know. for a guy who's got what six nine, six ten wingspan, his D is surprisingly poor for a, for a play with his kind of profile coming out of Louisville. So I'm, I, I was a bit surprised, but potentially Donovan to me to 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 Cleveland, good fit. They've got big guys up front, you know, in terms of Jared Allen and. This boy Mobley, man. Mobley looks a star. Every time I see him, he looks so smooth. You know, 
I, I, I thought he was going to be pushed around when he went last year, but the guy looks smooth. I mean, when you saw him, what were you thinking about Evan Mobley? Would you think, what do you think about this boy as a superstar coming on going forward? He looks like a taller, bigger, taller, sweeter shooting version of Draymond. And less trash talk yeah. as well. It's he's <laughs> without the trash talk. Yeah, his defensive game is unrivaled. I think he's going to be, you know, defensive player of year or at least up there in the next two three years. Um, yeah, his offensive game still needs a bit of um, development, but you can see there's some points forward skills in there. There's some shooting in there, and it, yeah. it just remains for him to continue to develop at that end. With what you said about Donovan Mitchell, I think you're right. He's He should be doing better on defense. But I also think having Rudy Gobert behind him was good and bad. Um, mm-hmm. Good because Gobert could clean up the action, but bad because it meant a lot of the Utah perimeter players almost became a bit too like a days of call up front because they felt mm. they had someone's clean up on the backside. Mm. But what I'm looking at is the best lineup is going to be who? Darius Garland, Donovan Mitchell, even Mobley, Jared Allen. And I think the beauty of the way the squad is built is that they could fill in the small forward spots depending on what they need. You could bring in Karis. Lever, if you need a bit more scoring, you could bring mm. in Isaac Okoro if you need a bit more defensive solidity, and you could even bring in Kevin Love if you need size. So I, I like the way the squad is built up, and don't forget they've got um, what's his name, Ricky Rubio coming back this season as well. That's a solid veteran guard, so yeah. they could go really far this year. Yeah, but I, I still think they're weaker forward. Isaac Okoro is a, a good defensive guard, okay, but he, he hasn't. He can't hit a three-point shot. So unless he's practiced and working hard in his three-point shot, and I thought Isaac Okoro at the small forward position, right? Who else is there? I mean, Kevin Love is is a is not a perimeter player. Even at his best, he wasn't a great defensive player. He's more of a situational kind of defensive player. Um, yeah, I don't. I just. I think they're weak at forward. I really. I think at the forward position, they're weak. Because I mean, you think you got two. How tall is Donovan Mitchell? Six three, six two, six three, and how yeah. tall is Garland? Six one. Those boys are small. Those boys are small. You know, and with the best will in the world, right? If you think you're going to go up against the likes of, you know, let's get real, Milwaukee. Right, I mean Drew Holloway. Drew Holloway is just gonna Holiday is gonna back them boys down. It'll back. He's just too powerful for them boys, right? You know those two guards cannot cope cannot cope with him from a backcourt situation, and even against the like, I think they struggle. I really do think they struggle. I mean, I think they're gonna win a lot of games, but I think come postseason, I th- I just think they need to get go get somebody else. I don't think Karis unless I don't think Karis Levert is is good enough defensively to help them out. I think score is not going to be their problem, okay? And maybe Evan Mobley and Jer- you know and Jared Allen are going to clean up everything, you know. So let's see how that bit goes. But I, I'm 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 not that sure. But I think they're sc- they're going to win more games than they won last year. Did they win what thirty something, thirty six, thirty eight games? So That's yeah, sure. they're going to win forty or close. But they're not going to be any big ones. They're not going to be a, a big time player. They're not, to me, right? They will not get through to the East Coast Conference semifinals. They won't even get that far. I think they're a really? first round team. Yeah, yeah. Maybe first round team. Definitely a first round team. And they may make it out to the second round. And that's going to be it. I just don't think that they need more. Man, listen, Yanis is good. No matter what you say about Evan Moby, right? Yanis is going to eat them up. Yanis is going to eat them up. You know, Yanis is just, you know, especially playing NBA rules, is is they've got no chance against him. You know, Yanis is now his passing is so good. 
So even if they play the war, because they're going to play a war, they're going to do that classic thing. They're going to put Evan Mobley on if they if they got him in the first round and with the second round, go against Evan Mobley against Yanis. Yanis is so damn strong, right? And he's so damn big. You know, it's. I mean, I tell you what, right? We should have another conversation. If Nigeria was to put out a team, the best Nigerian team, right? Nigeria would win every Olympics with the players who could play for Nigeria, who either who either who do we have? Who are either American or Greek or something else, even British. Who do we have though? Yanis um, Okonkwo. Struggling to think of others. Uh, I th- we can sit down. I'll work out a team for you. We'll go for it again. I tell you, right? You'd be surprised, right? Well, Bam Adebayo. Bam Adebayo. Oh. Well, you look at the, you seem to forget this boy is Niger boy. So there's some players who could play for Nigeria, you know, based upon current rules. You know, it's a phenomenal team. Phenomenal team. But anyway, coming back to it. So I think Cleveland are definitely a big improvement. Donovan Mitchell definitely moves them up a gear. But they need to sort out the small forward position. And by the way, Isaac Okoro could be fantastic this year. He maybe worked on his three-point shot. And you know, if he hits something around 37, 38, 38, 39%, and he's taking four or five or six attempts a game, man, that could be a big difference. He could be the, he could be the killer player that, that turns the team. Because that, to me, is the weakness. Right. And they need a bit more off the bench at the forward position. Because I agree. Ricky Rubio as the point mm. guard support is perfect. Kevin Love front court support is great. I think I think Laurie Mackinham is a good player. He played brilliantly in the in the Eurobasket. Yeah, he really showed himself up, and he was also made all conference, really all tournament team. So really good player. But so I think people will will fail won't recognize how good he actually is. We will talk about we'll talk about Utah another time, but. But, you know, I think Utah are an interesting team. But in terms of the East, what, who else you got going then? If it's so... I like what the Hawks have done. I'm a huge fan. I've been a huge fan of DeJounte Murray for a while now. And I I really like having him in that back, back court with Trey Young because I feel like he's almost the perfect defensive partner Trey Young needs. He could do with improve an improved outside shot, but he provides defense. He provides secondary playmaking. He's a pretty good. I think he, that was a really good trade by the Hawks, and they didn't give up too much as well, because they still have DeAndre Hunter. They still got John Collins. They've got most of a core squad, and have they got Bogdan Bogdanovic? Yeah, yeah, they trade yeah him? I can't still there. Now. It's the other Bogdanovich from Utah yeah. that's gone. So yeah, yeah. that's yeah, that's a I, that's a really good trade for them. I I can see them going. I can see them doing quite well, especially with Trey Young's heat check ability. Yeah, yeah. He he can he can flame. He can definitely flame throw. There's no doubt about it. My my concern for them is again, is it, I think Trey Young just needs to work a bit more on his defense. You know, he doesn't have to be a great defensive player. A bit mm. like Steph. He doesn't have to be a great defensive player. He just needs to be slightly better than he is. So it's not four against five all the time when he's playing. You know, that's... I think he needs just to work a little bit harder. But I think you're right. DeJounte Murray, I thought was great. He's come through the Sacramento system. I mean, he's come through the San Antonio system, which means he's a very good player. I, I thought he's been underrated. Hey, what do you think about him... With uh, this whole scenario in the preseason with Pablo, that the you know taking the Mickey out of him and throwing balls at him, and you know he's clearly Dijonte's clearly got an attitude at the moment again with what's taking place. So I think you're right. I think I think he's a good player, and I think he definitely turns them into a better team. I think my concern is I do think they may have given up too much for him. Unlike you, I think they've got two draft picks. They had to give up two first round picks to get. I think it's two first round picks that that Atlanta had to give up. I think that might be enough. I think that I'll, you know the play. They've got a good squad. I like the Atlanta bench. I like you know 
It's funny, if you compare, we talk about Atlanta versus Cleveland. I like the Atlanta Bears. There's some good players there. So I'm with you. I, I think they, that's, to me, they're a stronger team than, in my head than Cleveland is, which is amazing. Yeah. I think they are. Yeah. So. Um, yeah. With regards to trade, what they gave up for Murray, I think they did what they had to do. And honestly, it's way better than what the Timberwolves did for Gobert. Because that, that, I don't know why, but that just pisses me off. Really? That trade. That... Yeah, I didn't like it. I was like, it didn't make sense to me, really. It, like, you're going to push... I don't think the Timberwolves have what it takes to make it far. I think giving up Pat Bev was a huge mistake because he's he's the leader. Anthony Edwards is he's got that dog in him, but I don't think anyone else in that squad is really gonna elevate them in tough moments. Because remember, Carl Anthony Towns he talks a lot of shit, and last in. This past postseason, what did he do? He fouled out. There was a game he had more fouls than points. Yeah, that's true. More fouls than shots. He doesn't show up in the big moments. He goes... And so bringing in Gobert to try and clean up the backside for defense and to let Tom play outside, I just think is indicative of where Minnesota is right now. That instead of trying to get Towns to buck up and play properly on the inside. Like, look at Anthony Davis. They're letting him take the easy way out. And you look... Now, they've they've basically butchered their entire roster because they've got no bench. Yeah. Or they've got no good bench. They've, take, they've lost so many draft picks. They've inflated the market. Yeah. And... I've read reports that show a lot of GMs were not happy about the deal. No. Because they've basically ruined the market for players. If that's what you're going to get for Rudy Gobert, then imagine what the Nets would have had to ask for Kevin Durant. Yeah, I agree. I, but some of what you said I agree with, some of it I disagree with. I actually think, so this is my view. I think that Pat Bev is talks a good game and he's overrated in the big game. I think Minnesota, they've got new, they've got new owners who basically wanted to make a statement, right? So therefore, Hot yeah. Rod and those guys, they wanted to make a statement. A-Rod, I should say, not Hot Rod. A-Rod, those guys wanted to make a statement. So therefore, what they did, to me, made a kind of sense. I think that the weakness of... Carl Anthony Towns is like a typical Kentucky player, right? They think they're better than they actually are, right? So, yeah. so like... In exactly the same way that Kate Cat to me is, he's basically he's a small forward in a centre's body, right? He wants to be outside shooting threes, right? That's what he really wants to do, but he's got a post-up game. But he doesn't like to he doesn't like to bang inside as a big man. He's not a big man who bangs inside, and he's a finesse player. He really is a finesse player. So actually, moving him to to me. Moving him to, to basically being a power forward and having somebody else who bangs inside really makes it easy. It makes it a lot, lot better for him. And exactly the same thing with Davis at, uh, at, at, um, at LA at, with the Lakers. What you've got there is you've got players who basically, they, if they're not playing the centre position all game, they can just simply play it at critical moments, which is much more better for Carl Anthony Towns. So therefore, Rudy Gobert, to me, would... I mean, Rudy Gobert has got a problem, right? He's a great defensive player. But look at... But when it, when push comes to shove, look at, quite often, people don't look for him when he's playing inside. I mean, if he plays for France, they, they, they pass him the ball sometimes. But when he played at Minnesota, I mean, Donovan Mitchell never passed him the ball. Mike Connolly never gave him... So they could have six guys who were six, eight inches smaller... Than Rudy Gobert, if we could post up, they would not pass this man the ball. I think that moving across to Minnesota, he's going to get more opportunities because he'd be banging inside. I think the opportunity he will still clean up the mess from Carl Anthony Towns. So it's a move that makes Carl Anthony Towns more effective. 
He can step out, hit the three. This guy led the league in hitting three-point shots last year. You know, it's phenomenal from outside. So therefore, he will hit more shots. It also opens up the game for... It also will open up the space, really, for him to perform better than he has done. And the interesting thing for me is going to be Anthony Edwards, how he's going to perform. That's the one. I, I think Pat Bev... Listen, Pat Bev is not the player to take Minnesota to the next level. You saw it. I mean, it, Pat Bev even admits it, right? If he goes up... Luca has him for lunch. Luca says to him, you can't guard me. And it also... Pat Bev says, I can't guard Luca. Now, nobody can guard Luca. Maybe Andrew Wiggins. Okay, Andrew Wiggins can guard him. But, no, I didn't. You know, because Luca still hit some shots over Wiggins. He, he couldn't really do it. Nobody can stop. Listen, nobody can stop him. I concede that point. But mm. you know what? Some players can make it difficult for him. So, you know, if you. So, and I think Pat Bev just never makes it difficult for him. Luca just backs him down. And Pat Bev. With, with the best one in the world, cannot stop Steph, okay? Yeah. He cannot stop Steph, right? You can say he can, and he might look upon it that he can, if he fouls him, like he did last time when he took him out at the knees, all right? And therefore, yeah. you know, Steph was out of the game for a couple of months because that's the only way that Pat Bev can, can take a player out, okay? Now, he's still an NBA player. He plays, he plays the game... A hard way he plays it, and he's is a place for people like Pat Bev. But listen, when push comes to shove, you know, right? The, the, he's, he ain't going to be able to do it. He can't guard the, the elite players. So yeah. So for me, I like Minnesota. I th- I like what they're doing because it's basically it gives it gives Carlton Towns more more space to operate. I don't know if it's going to block up the space for Anthony Edwards, but that we'll see. But everything else you said about. The whole scenario around, they gave up too much to get him. Fully agree. It's ruined the trade value for lots of other players. Fully agree. You know, I mean, it's, look, look, I mean, it's, it's ludicrous. Ludicrous what they gave up for him. But the ownership wanted to make a statement that it's a new ownership. You know, they could, they, I think from their perspective, they're simply saying, this is who we are. This is what we're going to do. And we're prepared to do it. So let's see what happens. Yes. But... Here's my issue, though, Yeah. with the squad. Come playoffs, what's going to happen? Because we've seen it time and time again. Teams target Rudy Gobert, and they try to get him to switch onto the outside, and then they destroy him from there. He's not... He can't still... He can't still the floor. They're going to take him out the game. But that's what I'm saying. Yeah, but what's the point, then? That's my point. If why give up? Why make such a trade for a guy who's not going to be on the floor in the biggest moments, i.e., the playoffs? Because it basically means that the reason why they've done it is back to the point you made earlier on. This is done to protect Cap. Now you may not like it, okay? I might, I can sort of see, and I tend to agree with your argument, but I understand why they've done it because they're basically saying Cap has been drifting in and out. Now we're what we're now saying is. Cat, we're investing in you to try and make things happen. That's what they're doing with this. Right, so why not do what the Mavs did? Go get Christian Wood. Go get Javon McGeese. People who like playing inside, but won't cost you an arm and a leg. Listen, I'm not going to disagree with you. I think Javon McGee is... is Javon is, would have been, to me, a significantly cheaper option and a significantly cheaper way of doing it. Agree with you completely. Completely agree. But it... If you get Javon McGee, it's not a statement from the management, from a new ownership. This is all about statements. This is not about... This is the, when, you, when you buy some... These guys have got money as a group. You're doing things which you want to say, no, let's demonstrate to the world we're doing something here. And that's the reason why I've done it. This, is not a, this doesn't make basketball sense. I agree with you. It doesn't make basketball sense what they gave up for it. But it does make sense if you want to try and say, this is who we as a group, this is where we're putting our money, we're putting our money where our mouth is, and we're saying to you, Carl Anthony Towns, you're a man. So now it's on you to do it. That's it. Yeah, I I mean, I guess we have to agree to disagree, because the whole, like you said, if it's to make a statement and to tell Kat he's a man, it just don't make sense to me. 
I don't know what superstar is that you've got to beg like that, that you've got to pander to, really. It's not, that's not the guy you want leading your organization, is it? But this is back to the point about the NBA. The NBA is a superstar league. Look at, look at LeBron. Wherever LeBron's gone until last year, or even, even including last year, is that he makes a decision. He's the one who basically chooses the players he wants to have around him. Mm. You know, he's the one we went back to Cleveland, basically said, I don't want Wiggins, I want I want my boy, Kevin, to be here, with Mr. Love, to be beside me. Mm. He's the one who makes the decisions. When he went, you know, Anthony Davis, what, okay, Anthony Davis probably wanted to be in LA, but he makes decisions. The shift, you, you see it, that's the way the league now works. There's it's a superstar base. There's Whether it's right or wrong. Sorry, you go ahead. No, I'm saying whether it's right or wrong is a different matter. But I think that, I mean, I think your point is well made. I'm not disagreeing with your point. Do I think that Carl Anthony Towns has demonstrated enough to justify the level of expenditure in terms of giving up uh, draft, draft choices? No, I would agree with you. But what I'm saying is that I understand why they did it in this particular league. Okay, I fully understand it. Okay, it's, it makes sense for the management group to do so. Yeah. Okay, because purely from the saying, we're here, we're doing something. Uh, whether I agree with it, nah. Carl well, Anthony Towns has, not got, has now got to show up and start doing stuff. Okay, that's, that's the big thing on him now. And also, and I think it, it puts an interesting bit of pressure on Anthony Edwards. Where's Anthony Edwards going to go? How is he going to perform? With a guy who could potentially block up the middle for his drives, it's going to be interesting, and how they're actually going to play. Him. So, uh, I, I, to me, Minnesota are one of what I call my interesting teams. We can have a conversation about that. Mm. They're one of my interesting teams. I'm looking. I'm going to look forward to see how they play uh, in the coming season. Uh, I think they're going to win more games in the coming season, but I don't think they're going to go any much further in terms of the playoffs. That's, and that becomes and that becomes the key. Yeah. So I'm I'm with you. I I support your sentiment, but I'm simply saying I see the argument. All right. I'll I'll just throw in my interesting team before we head off and see yeah, who's the, yours? The Pelicans. Ah. Especially if Zion comes back healthy, I think they could be a big problem in the West. You see, I think the Pelicans, I can see why they're an interesting team in the West. Because, again, you know what was interesting to me last year, right? What's that? I think Zion, if he loses weight and he keeps it off, is, an, is probably the most amazing combination of agility, size, power mm. since Charles Barkley. There's no doubt about it. Yeah. No doubt about it. Okay, so yeah, it could be interesting. But what do you think about the forwards? How do you think he's going to get on with what's his name? The guy they got from, uh, I forgot his name. Brandon Ingram? Yeah, how do you think he's going to get on with Ingram? Because Ingram last year was the man. So do you think he's going to defer to I think Zion? they'll find a way. Because Ingram, I think they'll find a way to feed off each other, really. Um, I think they can both handle the ball. They can both base, space the court. Uh, neither of them is what you would call a ball hog. I think Ingram had a high usage rate mainly because he had to. Mm. But I think he could be capable of playing a bit more off the ball. And maybe in these moments, they could use Zion in the dunker spot. So to cut it as a cutter and dunker. Absolutely. Absolutely. Especially with Valanciunas playing alongside him. He might have to play power forward for now. But we'll see. That's why they're, they're an interesting team. Because, you know. Yeah. Yeah. I'd be interested to see what happens there. I agree with you on that one. I, I was going to ask you one question. Did you see any of the Eurobasket 22? No. Um, I followed it, but I couldn't. I didn't really watch the games. Yeah, there was 
it was fascinating for me. Mm. The the Spanish uh, Spain won it all, right? Yeah, and the Spanish coach was. Uh, he's he, I forgot this guy's name, Sicotti or Sicotti. Superb. The coach he demonstrated why basketball. If you've got the right coach, a good coach with a team that executes can actually overcome better players. It, it, they 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 played really good basketball, and they had this strange scenario where they had an American called Lorenzo Brown, who was by far and away the best player in the tournament. You know, he was all, when he when he got to the playoff bit. Lorenzo Brown was just awesome. He took over every fourth quarter that I saw. You know, he, nobody could stop him. And he could just fit everybody up. And it was an amazing game. Uh, so, but alongside that was uh, the, the big three players were Yanis, Djokic, and Luka. Man, yes. It demonstrates that there's... NBA basketball is different to Euro basketball, yeah. you know, in terms of the refereeing is atrocious, but hey, no, that's what happens. You play Euro basket and, uh, and the rules, I just make it different. But even so, those players still dominated. You know, they were the best players out there on their teams. They were amazing. Yeah, I think I mean, every couple of days I checked the news, it was Luca having some explosion on the court, so... Not surprised. He had a bad he had a bad hand. He had a bad hand. A bit similar like, you know, in the Olympics when they lost to Australia when he couldn't take a shot because he, he couldn't really he was dribbling and passing because he couldn't get his hand really above his head because yeah. his wrist was hurting. He had the same kind of problem here. Yet he still scored forty seven against Germany. I mean it was just it was it was he's just an amazing player. And Yanis Yanis was just astonishing. He, he just, he could, people don't realise how good a passer Yanis is. He, he, but people talk about we build a wall against him. Okay, and if, but you, if you surround Yanis with shooters, he's like, he can go, he can go top speed down, but then he can stop and just throw the ball out to open play shooters. Great player, amazing. And, and Djokovic is just, for a player who's that slow, his brain is that fast. You know, in in many ways, Djokovic is one of my favorite players because he's not he's not truly athletic, but man, he's a basketball player. He is he knows how to play the game. You know, he just he's got great hands. He's got soft hands, which are always the key. He's got lovely soft hands, and he just sees things. He sees the game. Ah, oh, beautiful player to watch. So for me, I I love looking at it and. Yeah, some, we can talk about it another time, but there's some players coming through from there. But, uh, yeah, the, no, I think the East is interesting. I mean, we should talk about, maybe have a, a whole thing and talk about the East and then was another podcast talking about the West because I'd love to talk about, you know, who do we think is going to be the top eight? Who's going to be out? Who would be your top eight? Who would be my top eight? And the yeah. same for the West. Okay, right. then we could get do some serious arguments about who we who we think should be in there because I think the uh, the trades as you rightly say were very interesting I mean we're not even talking about the Robert Sava situation which I think is a joke in terms of at least it, the results are being come out again we'll talk about that another time but yeah. I think that's an interesting situation in terms of a guy who makes misogynist kind of comments who makes racist comments and then comes out at the end of it and almost like doubles down on it. Simply says, well, I've made these comments, but so what? You know, you lot woke kind of people are stopping me from owning my team, I think. And it took the league, the league back down. Adam Silver's attitude to me was a bit soft. But it took the players like LeBron, you know, like Draymond to come out and Chris Paul to come out and say, no, 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 you, we, we can't have this. It's, that, that was to me was interesting. Again, power the power of the player mm. could actually sort of, in one sense, therefore, which impacts the bottom line, where you have got people like PayPal saying, if he stays here, we're we're, we're cutting our sponsorship, and everybody's yeah. paying, and we're cutting sponsorship. The only thing that Americans really impacts Americans is the is the bottom line. So that what that's what caused that. But no, nah, we can talk about that more. 
talk about that more because again it comes back to my point the NBA is a player it's it's a superstar league yeah and people tend to pander to their superstars I think sometimes wisely and more often than not quite foolishly and I think your view that this whole thing around Cat being a crazy getting Gilbert could be one of those ones that demonstrate that yeah I think pandering to your superstar is not the right thing to do we'll get into that another time yeah Okay, as always, good to speak to you, IFA. You too, Uncle Leslie. Have fun. Take care. Have fun. Take Take care of my brother, sister, and my little niece. I'll do my best. They should be, hopefully, going to get something to eat shortly. Don't let the little one run your racket. Oh, she's doing her best. (laughs) (laughs) All right, I'll speak to you next week. Yeah, speak to you later. Bye. Bye.